Today's episode is brought to you by gingerbrand.com. Go to Gingerbrand for all your premium quality streetwear needs. Right now I'm rocking my super dope, super comfy, all black Gingerbrand t-shirt. And it's really cool, man, because it actually has a Bible verse right on the front of it. It reads 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, which is right up my alley, man, if you know me. That's awesome, man. So shouts out to the owner of Gingerbrand for getting this out to me. It actually shipped really quickly. It arrived here at my house a lot a lot sooner than I thought it would get here. You know, you can find them on Instagram at gingerbrand underscore. That's at J-E-N-G-E-R brand underscore. If you're on Twitter, go give them a follow at C-O Ginger. Or just go to the website, man, at gingerbrand.com and check him out. He has a ton of different streetwear from jogging suits to hoodies to, you know, sweatshirts and T-shirts, man. All the kind of stuff that I like to rock and I'm sure you guys like to rock, man. Shout out to Gingerbrand from the soil, a brand you can believe in, embracing uniqueness, gingerbrand.com. building and you're listening to another episode of mud talk with your boy coach t welcome back mud talk family listen man i'm gonna tell you like this it's about 93 degrees outside right now and uh thank god for air conditioning uh you know out of all the things i get on my knees and pray about uh just my future and my present and my children and my family and uh just thanking god for all the blessings i have it, it can be very easy to overlook the simple blessings that we have or luxuries that we have on a day-to-day basis. And I'm going to tell you what, air conditioning is one of the biggest blessings that I have in life. Um, knowing that I do not have to be out in the heat. And if something happens to my air condition, uh, God has blessed us with the resources and the means and the funds and the ability to get somebody out here to fix it ASAP. Uh, just, just thank you, Lord, for air conditioning. And for those of you who love the summertime and like it hot, then maybe you can't relate. But I'm not a fan of the summertime. Summertime is just not my thing. It's um, I'm a I'm an after eight o'clock p.m. after seven p.m. type person in the summer, and before eight o'clock a.m. person in the summer. Any any time after that, the weather is just unbearable. I just can't deal with it. Um, not a fan of it at all. But neither here nor there, man. I just want to encourage all you guys, man. Do not overlook the very very uh, minuscule blessings that. Uh, are in your life that, that that you may tend to look at as minuscule, but I put it like this: until until they are taken away from you, or your AC breaks down, or goes out, or your heat goes out, uh, you know, don't wait till then to start thanking God for it. Thank Him for it now uh, because it is important. It is important. I know places right now have friends that live in Texas where it's uh, triple digits all the time, and so that's a different type of heat that I can't relate to. But neither here nor there, man. We have a podcast to get to today. You know. Sports has been a topic that I've touched on probably two out of the last three episodes. Summertime can be a period where, especially as it pertains to football, basketball, it can be a dead period when it comes to sports, unless you watch golf, unless you watch baseball. You know, I've mentioned this before. 
I don't really watch baseball, but I do pay attention to golf. There's a lot of different things going on, but really only watch when Tiger's playing just to see if he can do the um, do the uh, impossible. Let's just put it like that. Nobody expects him to come back and win another major. Um, he's done it recently over the last few years. I'm just, you know, interested to see if it happens again. And I, you know, I just love watching greatness and, and, and witnessing history. So with that being said, man, I got to touch base on what's going on in the city of Charlotte right now um, as it pertains to sports. We, we as Charlotteans, we, we have a um, we're in a tough spot. We're in a tough spot. We, we live in a city where people will compare it, you know, as far as let's just put it like this. Uh, we're in a small market. And so because we're in a small market, we don't tend to get a lot of the respect or the expectations aren't set really high. The bar isn't set really high for for any of our sports teams. And we're lucky to have an NFL team here. We're lucky to have an NBA team here. Um, you know, we do have a minor league baseball team here. So I would say that Charlotte is a pretty decent sports town as, you know, in comparison to other states that don't even have sports teams. Like if you go to South Carolina, they, they don't have an NBA or NFL team, though the Carolina Panthers is supposed to technically be the Carolinas team, which nobody looks at it that way. Uh, most of the outsiders look at it as the Charlotte Panthers. And if you lived in Charlotte or you grew up in Charlotte, and honestly, that's how we look at it. It wasn't until recent uh, where they started trying to do the two states, one team type thing. And it's no disrespect to anybody in South Carolina. I just, I've always looked at the Carolina Panthers as, as Charlotte's team. Just like I look at the Carolina Hurricanes, Her, uh, Carolina Hurricanes as Raleigh's team. And even though it says Carolina Hurricanes. Um, they're more embraced by the city that uh, has the stadium, the city that supports them and things of that nature. But with being in a small market, it's just a lot of challenges. You know, um, you can either draft really well, train your players up, hope that they be, you know, end up being really, really good and like cross your fingers and hope that they stick with the team and you're able to pay them to stay and things of that nature, or you can try to make this a, uh, an attractive place for a free agent to come and make the roster attractive and make the coaches attractive so that, you know, a free, a big name free agent can come and play here and hopefully take your team to the next level. But let's be clear. History has shown that the only way a small market team can develop into a championship level team is if they draft superstar players and develop them and get them to buy into the city, get them to buy into the franchise, get them to buy into the culture and want to be a part of something groundbreaking, something brand new. And that's taking the team to the finals, kind of like how Giannis took the Milwaukee Bucks to not only to the finals, but he won a championship and it was coming off of a season where most people thought he should have left Milwaukee, right? He should have, you know, when it went to another team, you name it, Lakers, New York Knicks. I don't know. I can't remember all the teams that were on the table, but all these big market teams that uh, basically are more attractive than a small market. And so living in Charlotte, man, it has been very, very challenging. Yes, we've, um, escape the list of teams that are uh how can i put it when it comes to our nfl franchise we have made the super bowl a couple of times uh i've been very clear on my opinion of that that topic that i, I really don't think it means anything 
Um, there are, I think, a three or four teams that, that have not made the Super Bowl in their history. End of the day, none of that matters if you lose the Super Bowl. Nobody, nobody cares. So to me, that list is really irrelevant. It does speak to a time where we did have a championship caliber team. Uh, it does speak to a time where the front office made great decisions, drafted a quarterback, uh, surrounded that quarterback with, uh, I don't even say they surrounded him with great players, but the defense was great. Uh, we drafted great players on defense and, and we grew into a team that was, um, you know, on any given Sunday prepared to beat the best of the best. Now, when it comes to the Panthers, since that those times have, uh, disappeared and you know 2014 2015 whatever 2016 um it hasn't been much going on around here uh pretty much futility just um embarrassing loss after embarrassing loss embarrassing season after embarrassing season um no quarterback you know players retiring early uh, leaving leaving the franchise uh you know getting rid of quarterbacks and getting rid of coaches that you know it just didn't really make sense and so the Panthers have went through this period of, of, I don't know, five, six years of just nothing happening, nothing good happening at all. And during that time, the Charlotte Hornets seemed to kind of turn the page. You know, the Charlotte Hornets went, well, of course, we used to be the Bobcats, right? And the Bobcats were the laughing stock of the NBA. Um, they, they made an excellent marketing decision by going to uh, get the old name back and bringing the Charlotte Hornets name and uh, image back. and it did inject us with some energy and some optimism and just, you know, it just, it just helped us out a lot as far as like, just kind of, you know, hoping for the future and just having some hope that this team would eventually be something. And it actually worked, right? We were actually able to make a couple of really, really good draft picks. Um, we got LaMelo ball and, you know, miles bridges started to develop two, three years into um, his stint here in uh, Charlotte. And, you know, Sooner than later, uh, we became a, a pretty good team. But over the last two years, we made the NBA play-in game. And during the NBA play-in game, uh, we, did, we, we got beat pretty badly two years in a row. And because of that, the front office found that it was necessary to get rid of James Borrego, our head coach, which had the – I don't know. I, th I think it personally still has the fan base confused. Some some fans would say that James Borrego, you know, the word was that he lost the locker room and that people flat out didn't listen to him anymore. Listen, I don't know what happened, but I know prior to James Borrego, we sucked. Uh, we we sucked pretty bad, even though the NBA play in game wasn't something that was um, actually available at the time. Even if it was, we would not have made the NBA play in game. We were that bad. We were we were a lottery team every year, year in and year out, we're guaranteed to make the lottery. Um, with the Bobcats, I think we made the playoffs one time. So it's not like we're used to doing really, really well. And I get it. At some point in time, you have to make a decision to say, we want more. And it's more than just the words. It's more than us just telling you guys that our actions are going to actually align, <laughs> actually align with what we're saying. And so because of that, I kind of get the firing of James Borrego if you look at it from that perspective. But for the most part, I, I don't get it, right? To me, he's been the best coach we've ever had, um, hands down. He's developed our young players um, in a way that that no other coach has. Uh, we, we've had plenty of lottery picks, and none of them have developed into anything with the exception of Kimball Walker. 
So to fire a guy after, you know, two years of improving in the win column, two years of putting us in the play-in tournament, um, I just didn't think it made sense. And so the Charlotte Hornets, to me, have taken a step backwards now. We're entering a summer where we, we, we didn't have a coach, you know, two weeks after the, the, the play-in game was over. I think, I think it took about two weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I may be wrong, but it took, took about two weeks for them to fire Borrego. The playoffs were still going on. And so they had a good amount of time to find a head, uh, interview some guys and, and find potential candidates to hire for the head coaching position. Um, after a month or two, a month and a half or whatever it's been, seems like forever of interviewing guys and just different reports coming out from this guy, that guy. Eventually, we found out that Kenny Atkinson would be our next head coach. Now, Kenny Atkinson, for those of you who don't know, is uh, the top assistant on the Golden State Warriors, who, shout out to the Dubs, they just won another championship. Steph Curry just got number four. Um, hands down, man, I don't care how you compose this list or in what order these players are, but you got to put Curry top 10 all time, in my opinion. Um, you got to put him in there. I, I don't think that you can debate or argue that that point um change the game as 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 far as shooting the ball he you know as far as defenses as far as coaches had to you know how, how can i put it coaches had to plan differently from the moment steph Cur steph curry started shooting the ball the way he shot the ball has, has shot in the ball in the nba you know it is just uh phenomenal how he's changed the game on both sides of the ball and you can argue whether he's changed the ball changed changed the game more on the defensive side than he did on the offensive side because not only uh, do you have young players like Trey Young and many, many more to come, they understand you got to have um, an elite level three-point shot or jump shot to make a difference in the game. And you don't have to be an elite athlete. You don't have to be 6'10 and be able to dribble and dunk and all of these different things. You just got to be in a crazy efficient shooter. And Steph Curry has shown that and proven that to be um, a way to be extremely successful in the NBA. And so he's been the pioneer, um, so to speak, for a ton of players that will come down a pipeline, you know, 20, 30 years from now um, and, and come into the league and light it up. And, and Steph Curry's responsible for that. But even more so on the defensive side where coaches have to learn how to guard against that. And I don't think they ever had to to do that in the past. There's been coaches that have been in the league for 15, 20 years, and they never had to, you know, come up with a game plan to stop a Steph Curry. And I, I haven't seen it done efficiently or effectively. Anyway, um, he's just a nightmare to guard overall. And so uh, shout out to Steph Curry. But Kenny Atkinson is the top assistant on the Warriors bench. And he agreed to the Charlotte Hornets coaching position after, you know, multiple interviews. And um, it wasn't until they won the title that the report came out literally the next day that he decided to say no to the job, that he didn't want to come here to Charlotte. He didn't want to. Um, leave the Warriors. He he wanted to stay there as their top assistant and continue to, to uh, go on the amazing ride that is, uh, you know, being a part of a dynasty because they're, they're truly a dynasty. I mean, they've been to the finals a ton of times and, you know, four championships. And, uh, you know, you got to ask yourself, why would you want to leave too? You know what I mean? Would you want to leave, you know, um, to come and co coach the Hornets? And I say that as a, as a Hornets fan. I say that as someone who, who like, so desperately, you know, wants the Hornets to be 
a great team, a great organization uh, to win a title, to bring a championship to this town, to be the first team to bring a title to this town. Because I honestly think as it stands today, that the Charlotte Hornets have a better chance of winning a championship than the Carolina Panthers. Um, that organization is just, uh, we're in a bad spot. We're in a really bad spot. And so um, because of that, man, you know, a lot of people on social media and especially Twitter, mainly Twitter, have just, you know, started going crazy on Kenny Atkinson, talking about how, uh, you know, he's crazy, you know, he's wrong. It's his fault that we're in this position. Um, I would say take it a step further and put yourself in his shoes. You're with a great organization that seems to be more like a family than anything. They're winning. Even when they're losing, it seems like they're winning, right? For two years, the Warriors were, were supposedly doing really bad, and they were almost – you know, a lot of people have said that window had closed and they would never win a title again. But during those two years, when every possible bad thing could have happened to that franchise, whether it was injuries, um, you know, players leaving, uh, you had, you know, Clay Thompson, like I said, with injuries, you know, back to back, you know, super serious injuries. Uh, Curry had a ton of injuries. Some kind of way, the Warriors ended up with top draft picks during those times. And they were able to um, draft some players and groom some players and, um, you know, even when a when a great organization is going to, through bad times, they find a way to make great thing great things happen during bad times. It, it, and I, you know, and I hate to get biblical with it. I don't even forget that. I, don't, I take that statement back. I don't hate to get biblical with it. I just, you know, I always go back to this Romans eight twenty eight because it's it's just in my spirit. You know that all things work for the greater good. You know, and I think when you truly, truly, truly. Um, look at it even during your bad times and i'm talking about me personally or you know any of you guys that um regardless if it feels that way at the time and um god is using your bad times to work for the greater good um for the big picture for you to see ultimate success in the end and that's what i look at when i see the golden state warriors and for those two years they were doing really bad thing one year they didn't make the playoffs the second year i think they did they make the play-in game or something like that but they got beat um long story short they were a long way away from you know winning the finals and uh you know hoisting another banner and another trophy there but one thing about great organizations they find a way to continue to do the work in the dark that was showing the light and so when you look at kenny atkinson atkinson's decision um i don't look at it as a bad one uh when you look at the charlotte hornets we just fired a coach who did a ton of great things in my opinion he found a way to develop young players again like i said earlier he found a way to improve the winning percentage year in and year out um you know i started going to more hornets games over the last two years than i ever have in my life um and i and i know a lot of people that did the same this year and it's never been like that in charlotte um and i don't know what else personally he could have done to keep his job i just think that it was a statement fire it was a, a decision that sent shockwaves not only through the NBA, but through, I would say, the organization to say, hey, we're no longer going to accept that this is who we are. And so I get it. Um, but unfortunately, that decision has seemed to backfire on us. Right. So, you know, Kenny Atkinson, to me, was the top candidate for the position. There are other guys out there. There were, um, you know, just just a host of different candidates. And, and we interviewed guys from Terry Stotts to. Um, you know, Mike D'Antoni and, you know, just just 
just there there's candidates out there there's never a shortage of 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 guys that want to 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 get an nba contract to be a head coach there's very few job opportunities and for the guys that actually wanted those opportunities um some may never even get a chance to be an nba head coach so to think that a guy would pass it up you got to ask yourself why would he do it i i say you look at the organization you're going to and you say how much of a difference can I make versus the guy before me? Um, you look at LaMelo Ball, who's a flat-out budding superstar, just came off his first All-Star game. You know, he won rookie of the year, his rookie year. Um, you know, when it comes to social media, he's just uh, – he's a star in itself. Um, he was a star before he got here, and he's going to continue to uh, eventually grow into a superstar in this league. Whether he'll be a superstar with the Charlotte Hornets going forward um, is yet to be determined. I think that the head coach who comes in now – will be responsible for whether LaMelo continues to play for the Charlotte Hornets or he decides to, to test the free agents, uh, free agent market. And I think that that's a huge burden to carry on your shoulders, to know that if you come in here and say in your first year, some kind of way, you pull this team to the eight spot or maybe we're in a play-in game again. Okay, your job may be secure, but LaMelo is now a free agent and everybody in the world wants LaMelo to come. You, you got the... The L.A. Lakers, you know, you have um, all of these teams, man. You name it. There's there's some really, really good young cores in the NBA and would love to have LaMelo come and play point guard for them and would pay him whatever he wants and give him whatever he wants. You know, how can we compete with that? You know, especially if, if if the head coach coming in only has one year to make an impact on LaMelo staying or leaving. I think that that's just a huge cross to bear. I think that that is something that is extremely unattractive to most most coaches, especially when, you know, you look at James Rago and he seemed like he had a handle on the situation. He seems like a guy that, um, you know, if he stuck around that LaMelo would have stayed, but none of us are in the locker room. None of us are in the practice. We really, we really don't talk to the player. We don't know what's really going on, but from the outside in, this seems like an extremely unattractive coach coaching position. Um, and I think that that's why number one, Kenny At- Atkinson, um, reviewed the situation and revisited uh, his decision and decided to change it. And kudos to him, man. Kudos to him and his family uh, and doing what's doing what's best for them. Because ultimately, you know, I, I made this tweet. I, I tweeted it like last week. I was like, look, I'm sick and tired of um, caring about what people who make bad decisions think about my good decisions. So <laughs> the Hornets who have made bad decision after bad decision, have a fan base that's now upset because Kenny Atkinson made a good decision for himself. And I was to not come here and to stay over with the dubs and maybe eventually be uh, the person that comes in after Steve Kerr retires and takes on the head coaching position. So it's just, it's just hard to compete with that. It's hard to compete with that. And um, I'm not upset at all. Uh, unfortunately, the Hornets though, we kind of look very desperate right now. We look as a team that, um, it's probably about to hire anybody just to, just for the sake of saying we have a coach. The draft is coming up in a in a few days, like literally less than five days. The NBA draft is here. We don't have a coach. Um, we have a young player in Miles Bridges who it's been said that the Hornets will not match um, or will be hesitant to match a max offer sheet, um, which I believe Miles Bridges is worth uh, a max contract offer, which I think will be somewhere around 180 million, 185, whatever. Um, can you imagine what happens here? If you just look at the chain of events, we go from having a head coach that was productive, 
over his tenure here, which was very short, um, about three years or three or four years, who took this team to the playing game. We had some great draft picks. We developed some players. Uh, you know, we got in a position where one of our trades ended up turning into another high draft pick. So now we got two high draft picks going into this year, um, coming off a play-in performance that was subpar and very disappointing. But we have all the tools on the roster and in the front office to make some 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 extremely good decisions that could put us where we want to be going forward. But now all of a sudden the coach is gone. Uh, we're saying that we may or may not sign, sign Miles Bridges. Uh, the NBA draft's coming up. You have players that we need to sell on this franchise being serious about being a championship contender moving forward that may or may not get sold on that. And uh, also, we got to make sure we actually draft the right players coming up. Like, it is just a, a mess. Like, the Charlotte Hornets are a mess right now. Um, it's amazing how, how how you can go to go from sugar to uh, you-know-what in less than uh, I don't know two months. It is it is just crazy, man. And um, I don't know what this says for for the Charlotte sports um, scene or the Charlotte sports market, but it just doesn't look very good. On the other hand, the Panthers are uh, a dumpster fire in themselves in their own right. I mean, we got a coach that you know if he did what Borrego did, he would probably be here for the next ten years. But for whatever reason, this coach hasn't did anything, and he still has a job. Um, and I feel confident in, in talking about um, coaches and their jobs because at the end of the day, I mean, let's be clear, if a coach gets fired, um, you know, these guys are making millions of dollars whether they keep their job or they lose their job. Um, now, will a coach feel better not getting fired from his position? Of course. But in the end of the day, I personally believe that if you get fired because you're doing bad at your job, it is what it is, man. It's just real life. It's just what needs to happen. And fans aren't getting discounts on tickets. We aren't get, we, we, we're not getting discounts on um, courtside seats and uh, back, you know, uh, locker room passes and uh, jerseys and T-shirts or, or snacks and concessions. So um, if a coach is making 60, 60 million over four years, has to lose his job, then so be it, man. It is what it is. So um, tell me what you guys think about the Charlotte sports scene. Am I wrong for saying what I'm saying about James Borrego? Am I wrong for saying what I'm saying about the Hornets and the Panthers just being an absolute dumpster fire right now? And honestly, the only positive thing I can say is that both teams are zero and zero right now. That's it. Um, we, we, we That's it. We're zero and zero. And, and hopefully going into the season, we can actually um, surprise some people. But I'm, I'm tired of feeling that way. Um, it's just it's just pretty bad right now. So I had to get on here today and speak about the Hornets. I had to speak about just just the state of, you know, Charlotte sports. And it's it's just a topic that that is. Um, it's just it's just it's just tough to talk about, man, um, because I truly bleed uh, my home teams. I, I love the Hornets. I love the Panthers. I love uh, the Tar Heels. And um, out of the three, at least I have one that's doing really good right now. And shout out to, to the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, they don't get much publicity because number one, it's a hockey team. Number two, it's in Raleigh and, you know, people who live around here don't necessarily care as much, but they've been the only consistent team. You know, they, they've won a Stanley cup. They're the only professional team in the state of North Carolina that has brung home a title. And, um, you know, kudos to them for competing again and being, uh, one or two games away from being back in the Stanley cup finals. And so, um, my hats off to them for continuing to, uh, 
show that championships are possible in the state of North Carolina, uh, with the exception of our college teams. But, um, you know, shout out to the Carolina Hurricanes. But, uh, guys, you know the saying, man, love is free, hate costs. You've been listening to another episode of Mud Talk with your boy, Coach T. We out.